Gems of Youth Work, Sharing Precious Practices. Hey there, and welcome to Gems of Youth Work, a series of podcasts introducing diverse international practices. Today we had an opportunity to host a conversation with Javi Kile from Spain. Javi is a passionate educator who has been extensively working with game-based learning and educational board games. Welcome, Javi, to Gems of Youth Work. It's very cool to have you here as a guest. Thank you for finding time for the podcast. Well, thank you, Pavel, for inviting me. I'm, I'm very pleased to be here. I'm very excited for this recording and this episode because it's going to be about board games and game-based learning, which I am also a huge fan of and I like to, to work with. And I've been following a bit of your work on that and you've been doing it for a few years now. So quite excited. To start, introduce a bit yourself and what is your relationship to youth work first? Actually, when I was six, uh, my mother put me into the scouts. And, you know, the scouts is non-formal methodology. And then, yeah, I've been linked to that all my life. And then when I became an adult, I started being a volunteer. So that's why, that's how I started in in youth work. At the beginning, like um, doing and making training courses for for the youth leaders. And then I started little by little to do international projects with people from other countries. And then I got in, yeah, involved into the inter- international field, which I loved it. And then it was a Youth in Action. And after that, Erasmus Plus, and that's how we met, right? Youth work is one of those things that kind of keeps you inside and, and doesn't let you go, really. What is your motivation nowadays to really stay part of this field? Uh, well, my motivation, actually, uh, education is kind of my passion, you know, this kind of process in life where you f- have to find your passion. And when you find it, you really know this is where you have to stay. So, yeah, once I found that my education was my passion, I kept in the field because I, for me, well, actually, I'm a teacher. I'm a primary school teacher. And then I specialize in Waldorf methodology. But then uh, in, in non-formal education, I found that it was more, I mean, whatever you were doing, it has a, a direct impact in the participants. So you could see real change in a short period of time. And that was very rewarding because you could see in the people. I think that's a kind of uh, addicted addiction. <laughs> so um, I don't know, I think we, we, we have the willingness to, to collaborate and to make the, the world a better place. So this is a place that you can really see your impact. You've been working a lot also locally in Spain. In which region, mostly? Well, that's a good question because I've been moving uh, a bit around. At the moment, I'm living in Alicante, but I was living before in Valladolid and this area, and it's where I have my organization and my colleagues, kind of in the middle, uh, Valladolid region. We are in between these parts, but we move a lot. And how would you describe it? How is this to be a young person in, in this area of Spain where you're working? Yeah, it really depends on the region because some, some areas, they, they have more opportunities and they have like really good programs for, for young people. But since it's, you know, in the end it's about politics and, and in some regions they, they really give importance to the youth work and they really put the, the young people into the, the decision-making process. But in others, they don't find it so, uh, so important. So it really depends. But there is always a, a need and a demand, especially from the, 
well, I mean, the, the society, the parents, even the lately, we, we are getting a lot of calls and waiting lists, people who are starting to go to psychologists or to therapy. And then they suggest them to, to try to get involved into one of these associations, this movement in non-formal non education, because it could really help them. So there's a, there's a need, and, but it really depends on the region, how, what you can do and what you can, what you can find. I guess the first time I hear that counselors or psychologists are directing young people towards the NGO and the project world. Yes, they are, and actually, yeah, especially in the in the volunteering field, uh, there is a big waiting list because of that because we cannot take so many people. No? So, yes, yes, and I think after COVID, even more. to know the case. And with your diverse experience working with young people, scouting and outdoors and non-formal education, one of the things that really got us curious and uh, what we want to talk about today is game-based learning and educational board games. So before we jump into educational board games, of course, it's logical to ask you, what is your favorite board game? My favorite board game? Wow. Well, it really changed, but uh, right now I would say, well, I really enjoy playing Concept. I don't know if you have played this one, Concept. Yes, I discovered it uh, a few months ago, actually. Yeah. But at the moment, I think that's the one I really, I mean, when I have the opportunity to be with people and friends to play, yeah, let's play. Let's. Concept is a, is a nice uh, social board game as well, with kind of making connections with one another. That's definitely an interesting game. Yeah, and it really helps you to understand how the others think and also to to, le to know more about the others. Uh, lately, we were playing and we were playing with a friend of us who is from uh, from Latvia. And it was, they have to guess something about a, a movie that for us in our childhood, it was like all the time on the, so it was available everywhere. Uh, but she couldn't guess it because she didn't, uh, by the time she was uh, a child, uh, this movie was forbidden in her country. So she couldn't know it. And for us, it was, come on, how can you don't know it? Uh, so it was, it's really, it's, it's really about knowing about the others creative way. I actually recently played this game in, with different members of our organization from different kind of age groups. Sometimes you had troubles connecting these uh, very simple things for you with uh, younger or, on the other hand, uh, with older uh, players. Because, like, oh, no, yeah, I forgot or I never saw this uh, video or movie or never played this game and so on. How would you explain to someone who never heard the term game-based learning? What is that all about? Game-based learning. Eh? If we take the, the word learning at as the, the goal, okay, because we want to learn, and by that we are going to be using a games. Playing a game is the best way, no? It's the best way to learn, but it's also the best way to change, to change yourself and to change others. So why not using it? I mean, this is a, this is a principle that we are all born with, like the, having the will, the willingness to play uh, is something that we, we are born with it because we need it. I mean, when we are very little, when we are a baby, we, we have to experience the environment through our senses and everything we are getting, it gives us kind of pleasure, even getting this, you know, dopamine, these kind of things. And it, it helps us to, to continue exper experimenting, to continue researching, to continue trying, trying out things, trying out the world. And so it helps us to really become ourselves and to, to be able to survive in this world. So games are in, in our nature. 
so it makes a lot of sense to to be using games to to learn in a, in a better way yeah all the motivational qualities of games and this kind of you know voluntary willingness to struggle is something that games uh, bring and if we put it always in the context of learning and education in schools that makes again all the sense to really use it exactly and you can even see it in the faces no i mean it's a totally totally different atmosphere you started working with educational board games around eight, nine years ago already. How did you guys come to the idea of using board games? Well, it all started uh, focusing on the needs because there were some uh, reports in the European Union that yeah, that there was a need in people handling. One, one aspect was about uh, conflict management because the people were having this. In, in all kinds of environments, they were having conflicts and not everybody knew how to deal with them and this was causing many, many things. And the other aspect it was about financial literacy that uh, they detected and it was a, a very extensive report about uh, how young people didn't have like super basic uh, knowledge on financial literacy. And this was also causing problems and causing a lot of manipulation and many things. So we wanted to, to do something playful. That's something that it was a resource through whom uh, they could change themselves. Yeah, this was the motivation. Yeah, then we, we got a good team to do it of 10, 10 countries. That's a massive team also. Yeah, with many different inputs, many different cultural backgrounds. And But I think that was one of the good things for it because... Uh, by having so many different points of view, we, we ended having a tool that was really useful for, for many people because we, you know, how it works, like through testing and testing and modifying and changing things. Um, but in the end, it was really, it is something very powerful if you haven't <laughs> tried yet. So can you tell me a bit more about Borderline Board Games? How was the, the project built up? Well, this was at the very beginning. It was one of the first, I think, yeah, one of the first uh, strategic partnerships that were supported by Erasmus Plus pro program. And this was in 2014 is when, when it was launched. Uh, we had some partners already in Europe and with somebody, some of us, we were contacted and we started to, to have some online meetings. Yeah, so we started to, to work from a, an original idea, how we could do it, how we could do it. And then we wrote the project, it was approved. And from that moment, we started testing. We started with a prototype and we were testing all of us. We were, many of us were, at that moment, we were, we were still working with uh, scouts in different countries, but also with other youth organizations. So we had many, many, I think uh, around, it was tested with more than 2,000 young people at the time. So it was wow. really a big uh, target group, yeah. It was really good because we were getting lots of inputs and a lot of evaluation. And so the, the original idea became more and more powerful. And in the end, it was very successful. <clears throat> and in the end, the project was taken as a, um, a good example, the Erasmus Plus program. You started testing the idea and testing the prototype. How long it actually took you to create the initial ideas and how was that process? Well, in this project, we were creating two games, one for conflict management and one for financial literacy. So one of them was easier because it was more of a, an opportunity and experience where the people could get comfortable on using the terms of financial literacy. That one was more easy. But the other one uh, is a, it's not just a board game. It's kind of a, an experience because what we usually do is that we, we play a lot with the ambientation. 
So we play a lot with how we treat the, the people, the players, the team. By treating them in a different way, we put them in a different mood. And so whatever that was happening in the game uh, had to be designed for a purpose. But we wanted, we wanted the players to feel in a, in a certain way. And this had a lot of testing because we needed to, to know, okay, in which way we need them to feel so the learning outcome is bigger, the impact is bigger, and they can really understand. It's one of these games that after you have played, uh, you get the aha, aha, because then you understand what happened there and what, and you start to make connections. But in order to reach there, uh, we really had to do a lot of testing to change because maybe, I mean, the, the tool, the game was great, the results and the indica indicators uh, were good, but if we wanted a bigger impact, like uh, really something that the people would remember, uh, we had to go for the extra thing. And, but it was really, really a very creative process. And I really enjoyed it. It was, I don't know, it's, imagine a group of people from 10 different countries putting their ideas together, uh, trying to come up with something super useful for young people. And we did, I think. Were you involved in the whole design process as... 10 countries or you had some some leading uh, experts or how was that? Well, the project was actually was uh, held in Norway. It was presented in Norway. So the coordinator of the project uh, is from Norway. But then we had uh, many well-known people in the, in the youth field in Europe, like uh, Joe Clays uh, from Portugal, also, also Sergio Gonzalez from Portugal. We had Simona Molari from Italy, Wim from France, Pelegas uh, from... Croatia. I mean, we had many, many, I don't want to leave anybody behind, but we had a, a very, very good team of people, super experts on, on youth work and on playful learning. So it was super easy. Maybe it was because, I mean, we had to, to address some challenges, but then it was super easy because we had lots of ideas on how to address them. So it was more a, a matter of testing and trying to choose what was better. Did you have opportunities to, to co-design the... Uh the games together in, in physical form or was it over Zoom? Uh, no, no, everything. Yeah, we had like, I think we had three physical meetings and the rest, not Zoom, because at that time, I think Zoom didn't exist. I think, no, no, the, the basic things we were planning online and then the prototypes were made in Portugal. And then we were receiving, every partner we were receiving at home, like the prototype printed, like the, the map and the rest of the things that we could print at home to test it with the young people. Everything we, we tried, we didn't test online. Everything was tested face-to-face -face with the young people. So the, the impact was, and the feedback we were getting, it was really direct. It's a, it's a game that it really, really, whatever is going to happen, I have done it now, I think around 30 times. And every time it's totally different because it really depends on the group, on the team of players, how they are feeling that day, how we make them feel and also about their previous experiences in games and also in, in, yeah, in group environment. So every time is different. And I can tell you once I, I was giving, a, I was facilitating the game for a group of, they were all women uh, here in Gandia, in, in this region. And uh, it was very interesting. They played, they played a super seriously, very tough group. But in the end, and I don't want to say too much, but uh, I can say that uh, after they played and once they realized what they had done during the game, they were so ashamed of themselves 
many of them were even crying and I, and I met them again because I was giving them, them a training. I met them again one week after and one week after they were still thinking and about the game. Oh my God, what we did, this was terrible. This They were really the same, but it was very powerful because then we could make a lot of connections and it's something they would never forget. Imagine if you were crying for a week. So this is really, this is really strong experience. Yeah, and I think that is one of the most amazing characteristics of, of games and how you can really see that it's a, a good game or a good experience, not only educational, also with general games for fun. If you can play a game and a few weeks after or a month after you can remember these few emotions and memories and feelings, then it definitely is a great experience. But then exactly. how do you reach it when you design a game like this? How can you make a tool that will be making people think weeks after and months after? Yeah, well, for that, I think the most important part is about is designing an emotional flow. You know that, uh, well, in education, first we feel, no? And then we think. So if we can get them to forget a bit about thinking, not thinking so much, but feeling a lot. Because in that, in that way, they, the decisions they are making in the game, since they forget a bit about themselves, about their values, about their way of acting, we can really learn and discover a lot about ourselves and the group of people we are with. Because uh, whatever is happening there, I mean, a game is a safe environment, but the, the, the feelings, whatever they are feeling is real. And whatever also their decisions are based on real uh, inputs. So I think a way to really get one of these games have a, a big impact on people, it is to, to really design a, an emotional flow. Like how do you want them to feel at the beginning? Uh, what, how are you going to, to, to play yeah, to play with their expectations? Because sometimes, even if it can sound uh, cruel, sometimes we really need them to feel, to feel bad, to feel angry, to feel treated uh, in a different way. Because then the, the reaction and their, yeah, the, their decisions are going to be based on something that we created with a purpose. And then we can, we can really extract many, many things for the, for the regular life. And it's very, very interesting. So I would say, yeah, to simplify, designing a flow, how you want them to feel on each step of the game, at the beginning, during the game, during the different phases of the game, and how would you like them to feel after? Yeah, it's all about feelings, because this is what they will remember. Thinking about what I said before about this group, so I can, I mean, you could make even a slogan, no? like, I can make you cry for a week, but maybe it's too hard, no? <laughs> maybe it is, uh, I know about games regulation, no? I don't know which one. That, that's a harsh tagline for a game. <laughs> you look at the different emotions and, and there is a very strong possibility that players finish exactly with very high emotions and maybe not, not the most positive ones. And how you, as a person facilitating the game, deal with these high-pitched emotions and when people say, yeah, I don't care. I'm just angry. Well, you know, after one of these game experiences, what we do is the debriefing phase. And one of the first questions is the, to understand how they felt during the game. Because we all went through the same experience. But uh, usually, I mean, they start sharing what emotions they went through. And I, I, I write it down. No? But then I always finish with a list of different emotions very, very different emotions. Some people we are having very positive emotions, others not so positive, and they all, they all were doing the same thing, more or less. So why is this happening? This is very interesting because it can point us uh, how different we are 
and why something that is happening to all of us make make us feel different. Everything happens for a reason. And then if you are angry for us, it means for me, I'm super happy that you are angry because then this game could put you in a, help you to, to feel angry. Let's analyze that. Why did it happen? What caused you to, to feel that way? Because now, once you understand it, if it happens to you again in your life, then if you have learned and if this game had an impact in you, you can identify it and then you can choose to, to act differently. So that's the magic of it. I mean, that would be, for me, would be great if you feel if you feel terrible during the game, but then this really helps you to do something on your life, then I'm okay. I mean, <laughs> I would be super satisfied. But that sounds like risky business. You know, have you ever been accused of someone saying, hey, you manipulated us for an hour or hour and a half? Well, people say things. Uh, I mean, I, I consider everything they say and I appreciate it. But I mean, we have a purpose. The purpose is fulfilled, even the impact is super varied. For us, it's okay. Working with uh, educational games in different countries with that project, what was the most challenging aspect? When we are designing games between different, not so different because in the end we are all European, but we have our differences, no? Especially when we are taking the, the language down to, to young people level and to the way they used to talk and the, the, their interests. Uh, sometimes we have, they have very, very different interests and we need to address that uh, in the game. So sometimes what we do, produce a game, but then every partner kind of uh, customize it, some of the things to make it more useful in their reality. So some of the things that we could uh, find is like some cards, some... Um, some games, some some questions, and some some of the materials and things to trigger emotions in in the players are are different in one country's version and in the others, because we translated all of them uh, to this uh, well to nine languages, but then not only the languages, also the things that were more appropriate to be used, we also modified, so they are not exactly exactly the same. So technically, it's not just one game, it's almost yeah, it was nine games because you adapt a little <laughs> bit and appropriate it. Yeah, you, we could say that. Uh, but I think, I think that's the, a good thing. The games are kind of, yeah, the, it's a good resource, but then you can always make it better if you really adapt it to your target group. It's like, I mean, everybody used to do it also with regular games, no, at home, like, oh, but in my house, we play it like this, no? <laughs> when exactly. they change the rules. And well... Maybe they, I mean, they do it for a reason. Yes, so it's more house rules. Yeah, we play like this. But that is a great approach to exactly make it relevant to, to different uh, areas. So you take a game system that actually works and provides what you need in terms of the major learning outcome, but then you strengthen it and make it unique with, with additional elements. It's yeah. actually a great tip to... And, but that, that's very easy to do because when you test something that it was created maybe in Norway and then you test it in the south of Europe, uh, maybe the, yeah, the young people, they tell you, like, what is this? I mean, their reaction and their feedback is super useful based on that's why we made different versions. Thank you for, for this tip. And then looking back uh, to you as, as part of this uh, consortium, what was your greatest uh, learning? I, I could feel kind of magic in the sense that we were all from 10 different countries, we were putting our best into it. And then we came out with something that was useful 
for all of us, regardless our cultural background or our reality. So I think it's a good motivator to, to keep working on this field, because if, I mean, 10 countries, we can do something that works for all and is really useful, we can, we can do whatever. So give us another challenge. I, I don't know, for me, it was really, really rewarding. Yeah, my biggest learning is that it was possible to do something like that, that really works. And, and we, yeah, it's a good motivator enough to keep doing it, to keep making other things. Borderline Board Games Legacy as a, as a continuation. What yeah, was that about? We, well, BB Games Legacy, you know, the legacy in the games is kind of the, the next step, like a, an update, a different uh, approach to make it bigger, to make it more approachable, more powerful. And we were not the, the 10 original partners because of different re uh, reasons, but many of them we were still involved. And in this project, in BB Games Legacy, um, we tried to, to solve a need and create uh, resources to work on human values. And this was coming from um, the value fair that was uh, held in Portugal a few years back. And there it was, uh, yeah, it was put on the table that were, there were not many, many value, uh, resources to work on values. So we decided to create a game and yeah, to challenge ourselves to, let's see, we can create a game that it's easy to play just to make the people more comfortable uh, when dealing and talking about values. Transfer service. So if someone is listening to this podcast and, and wondering, mm, maybe I would create an educational game one day or a board game, what would be your suggestion? Well, the first step, I think, yeah, it should be about the needs, no? Like what, what is not there yet? What can we add to the, to the world? No, what can we offer with our abilities to create something that it could be useful for other people and help them to overcome a need? So I would start with the needs. If you can find a need that is a challenge big enough to motivate yourself, uh, and then the next steps would be to, okay, what kind of game would uh, help to solve this need? What do we need to put into it? What kind of uh, mechanics, what kind of uh, dynamics do we want the, the game to, to bring? And then uh, starting with uh, an idea through testing and testing, sometimes we, we jump ourselves in one direction with a prototype, but we have to, to step back and change entirely. Again, the, the main goal is to solve a need. And if that is not working, I mean, maybe we, we end with a very good game, a very nice game, but if the need is not solved, then it uh, doesn't work. So we have to step back. <laughs> and then, so the need is super important. And if it's a need that it, it resonates with us and is connected to the way we are, the way we work uh, with young people, uh, I think that would be better. But of course, I would also add another very, very crucial aspect is to involve young people. Because, uh, I mean, yeah, there are many, many hundreds of game mechanics and things are changing and the interest and the, the whatever is trending now, I, something, it is for a reason because they, they have other interests and other motivations. And this is something we need to incorporate into the game. It could work both ways. Sometimes something which is totally uh, out of fashion or vintage could work. 
but it's super interesting to know, also to know what is triggering people nowadays. We need to put that into the game and to test it. And for that, we really need young people involved. As you said, that is very true. You can really dive heads deep in game design and you create a great game, but it's about a totally different topic or it communicates a totally different message. It can just end up being fun. It's kind of hard, but you need to bring yourself back to this kind of drawing board and restart. Yeah, this is true. Actually, we have like a drawer of uh, games or prototypes that were, okay, this is fun. This is so good, but we, oh, no, no, we, we cannot continue on this. We have to leave it for another time or for another project. We have several of that. Actually, in the last project, we tried with five different uh, prototypes, model, super, super different one of each other. And they were going in different directions. So, I mean, if you, you find a group of creative people, possibilities are endless. So it's about speaking up and don't be afraid. Try to do crazy and new things and, and to try them out and then testing. As you say, when you have several prototypes, it also makes a lot more sense because sometimes it's also hard for people not to stick to the first idea that came to their mind and be like, okay, no, we already have a game. We already have a great prototype. Why should we explore something else? Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, this is my baby and I wanted to, to reach till the end. But in the end, I mean, you, you are part of a group and if, uh, if, if you are comfortable with the group and everybody... We really focus on the need, uh, then it's easy to, to reach to an agreement. And if we don't reach to an agreement, we have also games for that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to learn how to reach to agreements. But uh, yeah, yeah, we do. The idea of having your own little drawer of these kind of prototypes that could be great games somewhere in the future. You know, if you don't use it for this project or you don't use it for this specific occasion, you can always come back to them. And, and that is what makes also this, these ideas great. Exactly. Yeah. And this is also good. I mean, one of the good things about having some experience on, on designing games is because it, it makes things easier sometimes, but we also need newcomers all the time. So, Do you say it is important to play a lot of different games to, to become better at designing them? Not necessarily, but I, would, I think it helps a lot. Because one of the things uh, you really need to experience something in order to to inspire others to to understand, no? Because if you haven't experienced uh, some game mechanics, okay, I, I can explain them to you, but I cannot make you feel what these mechanics are going to make you feel, no? So yeah, it's much better to 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 be on the same language level if we have experienced. But this is why sometimes uh, in other projects, uh, also we are working with escape rooms and other things, uh, we, some people, if they have no experience on them, first thing is to go and go to, to one so you can, you know what we are talking about and we can build uh, from that. You also get newcomers and they have a totally revolutionary idea because they don't know what is kind of the usual logic. So it's also a great thing to kind of you know, keep people motivated that you don't have to be an expert straight away to create games yeah, exactly. You are totally right. I think it's, it's, a, it's a very good point to have, like in a very diverse group, somebody with no experience is super needed too. Because, uh, yeah, as you said, uh, we need new approaches and things out of the box that we didn't think about because, I mean, want it, even if you don't want it, we are, <laughs> if you know a lot about mechanics, you are also 
in the box. Actually, uh, an experience can tell you a lot about your game, the design of your game, because, you know, like uh, the game elements, they, if they are well designed, they should explain by themselves. So they wouldn't need like the manual or a facilitator. So if you actually we have a partner from Italy that she was showing some of the elements to her children just to get the, the feedback. Like, what is this? What do you see here? What do you understand from from these elements, this color, these shapes? And it was super useful because, uh, yeah, if the people are getting something completely different than what you meant, maybe you need to redesign. That's why we also have different editions of, of the games, you know, that you, you have the first one and then after more testing and more years, games still evolve. They continue developing further, right? Yeah, the patch. Where people can discover more about uh, Borderline board games and uh, BB Games Legacy? About this specific project, they can find us and all the games that we have produced in bb uh, games.eu. And there they can find a little bit because, as I said, we cannot show too much about the games because they, we would spoil them. But they can see what the games are about, what we can achieve with them. And they can also contact our partner Hood around Europe if they are interested to, to, to try it. Final message. Thank you so much for, for sharing all these uh, insights into the project. But I will not let you go yet. I have a question of what is the forecast for you in the youth work field for the future? What do you still want to try and experiment with? You know, at the, uh, after, after the game experiences, we, we, we go through this debriefing and then we get kind of the a reflection on what was the impact on the on the participants. But I think it would be great if that uh, that impact is um, also reflected on, a, on the next uh, thing about the game. So it can also help others, like the impact gets a bigger dimension, like bigger and bigger and bigger. And so something I think, I mean, we, we are trying to, to, because this is all about uh, the knowledge and how do we deal with the knowledge that is coming out of the, of the games. Yeah, because I think the experience is great for the participants who are there, but I think we could make the impact bigger. And I, I would, I'm really interested in, in, in making that and I'm researching how to do it for future, for future things so, so the impact is really, really bigger. Good luck with that, and uh, we'll be really keeping my eyes open to, to see results of these researches because finding more reasons to kind of convince skeptics that games are great tools is, is something that, that many of us need in the youth work field, especially those who wish to get into formal education as well and try to shake things up there. Exactly. My last question would be, what is your wish for the future? of youth work. It can be locally in, uh, in Spain or regionally uh, on a European level or even globally. What would you wish? I would really, really would like um, that youth work is considered as a, as a root, like everybody knows about it, like it is there, like it's a, an opportunity for all and to, to improve themselves, to develop themselves. 
for young people to find their place in society. I think is is I mean because I have seen it how it have worked for many people. So today, at least in Spain, um, we are having a lot of dropouts from school and people who are demotivated and even suicides among young people. So this could really really help if it would if it would be seen as a possibility as a route that is there available for everybody everywhere. So that would what I would really really like to to see the youth work. 100% agree, and I hope there's going to be more counselors as well that would uh, refer them to, to the youth work field. They will, they will. We have to be positive <laughs> and to keep doing what we are. I, guess I like what you are doing with this, with this podcast. So, yeah, this is one of the ways. Well, Javi, thank you very much for uh, taking your time and uh, chatting about educational board games and a lot more than that. So, Good luck with uh, future projects, with future games, and definitely will be on the lookout for more of your work. Thank you so much, Pavel. I really enjoyed talking about games with you. Any other time, even without the microphones, we can talk about games, you know? So yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for this opportunity. This episode was dedicated to educational board games. It was easy to feel Javi's passion for game-based learning and non-formal education, she pointed out how important it is to base your work on research needs. She also shared how it is possible to work on games internationally, while still keeping in mind how important it is to adjust international results to local realities. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and have a great time! of Youth Work is funded by the Erasmus Plus program of the European Commission with the support of the Estonian National Agency.